And yet Moses would harden his heart. And then you would see there the transition will happen. The Lord will first provide evidence unto Moses, I mean, unto Pharaoh, and then the hardening would start. When we preach the gospel, brothers and sisters, we have to be very tender-hearted towards people that they not, might not become hard towards the gospel. We need to it, it, present it in a sense with, without you know, condemnation. We need to do it out of love. And the Lord will do the work. It's, it's up to them whether they will submit their will to the Lord. And again, and again fast forward many, many years. They come out of Egypt. And then they go into, uh, into the mount. And Moses would be called up to get the testament, uh, the, the commandments of God. Well, first, before that, the Lord himself would reveal himself to people. And the people would be in such fear of him that it says, Moses, you go deal with him. We can't, we can't. We can't take it. So Moses would go up the mount. And the people would, in a sense, immediately forget the great signs that they have done and go whoring with other gods. And so then it goes to the, to the, the golden calf. And again, not, not trying to get too much detail. Uh, Moses intercedes for the people. The Lord is ready to say, hey, I'm going to start out with you. But in a sense, the, the, the will of the Lord is carried out through the heart of Moses. He has a, an intercessor that interceded for the people. And, and amen to that, that we have an intercessor, us Christians, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So then, then after that, that whole fiasco uh, with the calf, you know, the Lord gives instruction towards the tabernacle, towards the Levites, towards uh, the f- holy furniture, towards the consecration of the Levites. And he gives detailed instruction. Then we get to the book of Leviticus. And then the, there goes into more detail about the, the different offerings, the burnt offerings, and, and the, the work that the Levites actually have to carry out. The, the, the daily uh, burnt offerings, the weekly burnt offerings, the monthly burnt offerings, the, the, the feast of the Lord. And it's such a, a detailed description of actually what's going on. And, and you see, again, the people failed with um, the sons of, Ari, of Aaron burning strange incense. And we spoke about that last time we were speaking um, in the book of Leviticus. But the Lord is still faithful. So then we finally get here to the book of Numbers. Now, the book of Numbers, if you just want to consider a simple outline, nothing too complex. I'm not discussing Ezekiel's wheels within wheels. But just, it, it, it helps me in my train of thought when we consider you know, biblical books, especially historical books. So the book of Numbers takes place, you could say, in, in, two, in three different parts. From Mount Sinai to, um, I'm sorry, what was the name? Not to the plains of Moab, to um, in chapter 14. So the first five chapters, it speaks of the preparations for this trip. For them going into the land. And the Lord would, would give uh, detailed instructions on how the camp is to set itself. Where is it supposed to pitch? Where each uh, tribe is going to be encircled around the tabernacle. And it, and it goes to, the, to uh, chapter 14. Where they're now not... When they traveled from the mountain to Kadesh Barnea. And so there, there's the, the first section. They, they travel from the mountain to Kadesh Barnea. And that doesn't take 40 years, brothers and sisters. That actually takes just a few. And when they get there, they send out spies. So there's the first portion. They travel from the mountain to Kadesh Barnea. From Kadesh Barnea, they send out the spies to spy out the land. And uh, could you, cause anybody tell me name of two spies? Two spies. Just spit them out. Caleb and 
Joshua, could anybody tell me the other ten? No. Did you know they're named by name and by tribe and the scripture? And how we forget about them because they were utter failures. They failed. They, they spoke against Moses. And they, and they, they would get to a part where, where they would say, no, we can't. And sad, this is a sad turning point. In chapter 14, it reads, Would that God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or God we had died in the wilderness. They're saying, we can't fight against these people. These people are giants. Would that we have died in Egypt, or that we would have died in the wilderness. And Moses and Aaron are, are, are I mean, they're, they don't know what to do. They're, they've dealt with so many trials with these people, and they get to this point. What, what are they going to do? And again, Moses again has to intercede before the people, before the Lord. The Lord is ready to wipe them out. And, and Lord, Moses would come and, and speak to the Lord. And again, the Lord's will would be carried out through the heart of Moses. And be careful what you ask for because there's a directive will. The will of God is going to be done. But then there's a permissive will. They ask. And the Lord, look what he says in, in verse 28. Say unto them, truly... As I live, saith the Lord, ye, as ye have spoken in my ears, so I will do. Now, does that sound like good news? The Lord is allowing that permissive will to be carried out. That's what you want? You want to wander in the wilderness and die? That's what is going to happen. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to to your whole congregation, 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. And this is a very low point in, in, in the story because here they're in the plains of Moab. They're looking towards the promised land. They send out spies and Caleb and Joshua bring good report. The, the land is flowing with milk and honey. They're, they're trusting on the promises of God. And man, the clock is working against us. And we're having gotten to the chapter. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, brother. I, I appreciate that. So, so, so there's a low point. And you notice that the, the, the book of Numbers is 36 chapters. So the first 14 chapter, first five chapters is preparation in different orders, and the Lord's giving instructions. And then there's a few chapters giving, traveling from the mountain to the plains of Moab. And then chapter for the spies. And then from chapters 15 to chapter 20 is the wanderings. And then you notice that the book continues again when they're back into the plains of Moab, which is the first verse that we read in, verse, in chapter 22. After all that, after their wanderings, they're back into the place where God wanted them to be there 38 years and 9 months ago. That's, that was God's will to, for them. Instead, they wandered in the wilderness an entire, an entire generation would perish of unbelief. It is a sad thing to say. Uh, the plan of salvation that God had for the nation of Israel was to take them out of bondage, take them out of Egypt, uh, to, to redeem them, to, to take them out and then uh, give them a land, take them to a land of flowing milk and honey, the promised land. That was the, the whole plan of salvation. Christian, when Christ saves you, when He redeems you out of the, the, the market of sin, he doesn't save you for you to wander the wilderness. He doesn't save you to do what you want out of your own will. I'm saved. 
I could do what I want. I have here in my pocket uh, my keys that are going to give me to heaven. I, I believed in Jesus Christ. Now I could go living about my own way. I could do what I want. And I will just live a jolly life. And then when I die, I'm going to go to heaven and everything's going to be okay. That is not God's plan for salvation. For salvation. The people had to go and fight and, 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 to, and, and possess the land that God had given them. It was an earthly blessing. Brothers and sisters, we don't have a sword to fight with, but our battle is spiritual. We need to possess the blessings that the Lord has given us. Uh, the Bible never reads of, you know, when you die... You will get eternal life. No, the Bible says you can know it here and now, that you could start enjoying it, that you could start knowing the Lord. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the true God, and Jesus, whom thou hast sent. Are we knowing the Lord? Are we possessing the land? Are we fighting our spiritual fight? We need to arm ourselves with the, the whole armor of God. Again, that's, this book is full of application. Very useful application towards the believer and, and a lot of warnings of what not to do. If we could look in the book of Psalms, chapter 106. Now, I suggest that you probably, you could, you know, if, if you just want a refresher, these, these are historical chapters. And in and, and this chapter, it does a very accurate recounting. Again, I don't want to say cliff notes because it's not cheapening the, what the story is has brought to this point but it gives a good account of what's going on and look what it says in verse 6 our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt they remember not the multitude of mercies but provoked him at the sea even at the Red Sea now this is talking about that generation that perished our fathers how, how sad of a statement that is that this person that's inspired by the, the, the Holy Spirit to be writing this that our fathers perished in disbelief. And they, they weren't wanting to, to, to believe the, the, full of, the fullness of God's promise to them. Look what it says in, uh, in, in verse 12. It says, They believed His words and sang His praise. This is after He saved them. And He's, he's come through them many times through the Red Sea, through providing water, through providing manna. In verse 13 it says, They soon forgot His works. They waited not for His counsel. What a sad testimony of that generation, Christian don't identify with that generation. You want to be the ones that fully come into the promises of God, that fully would understand and, and, and know what it is that, that the Apostle Paul would say, Blessed be God the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. It's not earthly blessings for us. Some, some uh, brothers and sisters are more blessed than others as far as physical material, but the Lord has blessed us all abundantly spiritually uh, again skimming down look what, what look what it says in verse 21 they forgot God their savior which had done great things in Egypt and I think the low point comes in verse 24 it says yea they despised the pleasant land and they believed not his word. Could you imagine if you're in somebody's house and they provide a, a wonderful meal and guess what I personally, I can't stand canned tuna. It just, the smell of it, it actually appalls me. But now if you give me a filet of tuna, oh, I love it. So if, if, if I'm at somebody's house and they're bringing their best stuff that they have to offer and they give me tuna salad, canned tuna salad. Could you imagine if maybe the, the husband of the, the wife that cooks is like, oh, what do you think? Well, 
this is terrible. I, I hate tuna, don't you? It gives you terrible breath. And when my, when my wife eats canned tuna, I refuse to kiss her for at least four hours. <laughs> and could you imagine if, if the wife that prepared that grand meal was sitting behind me with a pot of dessert? She probably would smack me with a pot of dessert. In a sense, not, not to be funny, but th- this is their attitude. They despise. Could you imagine the word despised? The pleasant land. That they despised what God was offering to them. And not that it was bad. It's just it was a pleasant land. And, and the, the, truth, the truth is because they did not believe his word. It's not that they saw the, the report when the spice came back. It was amazing. Yes, the, the land is full of milk and honey. Joshua and Caleb are right. But there's giants in the land. And then they start putting doubts in people's head. And they would despise what God would have for them. Fantastic. Maybe we could do one more verse in our, in our passage. We haven't even gotten to Balaam. So if we go to, to Numbers chapter 22. Again, and Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. Now here again, we see some of, to some extent the promises of Abraham. I'm going to multiply you as the sand of the sea. And, and, and Moab is looking at this. In utter, his, he's trembling. He's looking at this great multitude coming towards him. And, and he's, he's in distress. And not only that, why does he, he take... The, the, if, if, if you have time, you go back towards the dealings of the, the trials that Israel had. They, they had to deal with hunger. They had to deal with thirst. They had to deal with rebellions. They had to deal with unfaithfulness. And, and when they finally get to that generation, is completely dead as the Lord promised and the new generation is ready to go in they, they, they get affliction they ask to go through, through Edom and Edom would, would reject paths so they had to take a, even a, a harder path and then they would get to different tribes the, the Canaanites would come against them the, the Amorites would come against them and they would fight and the Lord would give them victory Amen because now they're, they're going and they're doing the will of God they're going towards the promises that God had promised them and the Lord gives these people into their hands and so, so they have these three great victories and the king of Moab sees that he can't Physically, these, these kings before me, they, they fought against them and they can't. An interesting note to make um, that I spotted in a commentary last night. If, if, the Moabite, if the Moabite king knew any of his history, he probably should have just let the people of Israel be. Uh, look what Deuteronomy 2.9 says. It says, The Lord said unto me, this is Moses, Distress not the Moabites, neither contend with them in battle, for I will not give thee of their land for possession, because I have given our unto the children of Lot for a possession. The, the Lord gave Lot, Abraham's nephew, blessing to himself. And the children of Israel weren't looking for the spoil of Moab. If, and in fact, if, if, he uh, if there was any, any of the, the, the princes alive that opposed Israel, they would ask, can we pass through the land? And they would say, you cannot. And they would come after them with a sword. And then it, the Lord will give them a great victory. So Moab really didn't have to start something with Israel. And again, there was physical uh, battles that they had to fight. But now this one, if you notice that the, t- 
tone of the story is completely different. Everything to these chapters was God spoke to Moses. Moses spoke to the people. It had to do with the people in the camp, in the camp, in the camp. This is outside of the camp. This is how far the king is looking at this great multitude. And, and the, the narrative, if you will, changes from the, the inside the camp to an, an external force. Christian, in, in this life, we're going to face many tribulations. But the tribulations that we have to consider concern ourselves with are the spiritual ones. There's things going on that we don't see that... The Lord is faithful, and He does not let us down. I think of um, <clears throat> of that of, of that one story in in, in the book of uh, Kings, where where Elisha is is in a camp, and there's the Syrians are surrounding them, and, and they're just going to go and crush Israel. And Elijah is completely calm, and, and his servant is in trembling. And he, he asks the Lord to open his eyes. And he opens his eyes and sees the host of angels. Um, now imagine, imagine when the Lord tells Peter, Do you not know that I could call upon my father and he would send a legion of angels? What a legion of angels would do? The, the, the devastation that they, could, that they could do. And this was just an angel. Just that, I mean completely obliterated the Assyrians. So there, there are external forces. So this is a, a trial. That, and, and notice, the children of Israel had nothing. Not, they have no idea that there's this spiritual battle going on. Anyways, we need to keep moving on. So, uh, so Moab, and Moab said unto the elders of Midian, which they were like an intermingled people, now shall about, uh, I'm sorry, now shall this company lick us up that are, are all around about us, as, a lick, uh, as an ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak, son of Zippor, was the king of the Moabites at the time. He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Beor, uh, Pithor, uh, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call and saying, Behold, there is a people come out from, the, from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they, are, and they abide over against me. Come therefore, I pray that you will curse me, these people, for... Uh, they are too mighty for me. Preventure, I, will pre- I shall prevail, that I may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou curseth is cursed. Now there's three interesting characters. There's uh, Balak, which means uh, a devourer or, or waster. And then there is Balem, which means swallower. And so, in a sense, this devourer, this, this, this waster, this devastator, more like, it, wants, wants to hire this uh, devourer, this swallower, to swallow up the people of God. But then it also tells us, names are, are interesting in the Bible. For the name of Zippor was the, the, the father, and Balak, the son of Zippor, that's his father's name. His father's name is not so, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? So... Puffed up. It actually means sparrow. So here, I guess, a nice little thought would be that God, you know, against God, this waster and this consumer are like a sparrow. They're nothing before God. And we're going to see that this interaction that happens. Um, and again, the, the portion of Scripture is, is uh, kind of lengthy. So we're going to try to uh, summarize some of these verses. So... Uh, Moab, would, uh, the king of Moab, uh, Balak, would send uh, noble princes to, to uh, Balaam. And uh, 
when I was a kid, I, I would read the story, and I'm like, oh, I, you know, they're going to get in the car, drive to his house. Hey, uh, Balaam wants, uh, Balak wants you to come. He wants to hire you to curse these people. Well, it's a little more complex than that. Where, where Balaam was at was actually somewhere about 400 miles away from where this king was. So it's, it's a lengthy journey. So there was a lot of thought, and he would send princes, and he would bring promises. And then the elders of, of Moab would come, with rewards of divination in their hands. So, and then they would give, they would pronounce the word that Balak told them, saying that they might come to curse the people. And, and Balaam, knowing something, uh, again, he's a, an interesting character that he's a false prophet, not a prophet nonetheless. And we're going to, with the will of the Lord, take a look at some of his prophecies tonight, how accurate and how, how incredible they were. But Balaam would, would go on and speak, in a sense, wisely. He said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, uh, as the Lord shall speak unto me. Uh, and the princes of Moab abode there that night. And God came to Balaam. Imagine that, that God would come, would appear to this, this uh, soothsayer, this, this wizard, in a sense, because uh, he has powers, he has some kind of reputation of the, the dark arts. And, and God would appear to him, and he would say, who are these people? I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing. Who are these people that are here with you? And, he said, and then, you know, Balaam, powerless before the Lord, he answers exactly and says that these people were come from me, from Balak, for there was a great people, and the king wants to hire me to curse them. And look what the Lord responds to him. God said unto Balaam, thou shalt not go with them, thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam in a sense, again, here's the directive will of God telling him, no, you can't do this. These people are blessed. Balaam is powerless. So he goes, tells the princes, this is what the Lord said. They depart. And then again, Balak stubbornly sends more noble people. So say he sent some cousins or some noble or elders. Maybe he sent some princes this time. People more noble of higher status. And, and to, to again, plead with Balaam. And Balaam, again, would say, let nothing, uh, pray thee, hinder to come to me. And then Balaam would, res would answer and said, if Balak would give me his house full of silver, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord. And what a testimony is that, that even though that this guy willingly, he wants to, he wants to curse the people, he wants to get his reward. We're going to look at, in a second, at, at, at Peter, uh, which gives importance to this, this person, this individual Balaam. Why are we considering now in 2014 this false prophet that, that lived so many years ago? Why is he uh, relevant? Well, the Apostle Peter would give him relevance when he's warning about false teachers. In, in the book of Second Peter, in chapter 2, in verse 15, he would, he would, in chapter 2, he'd be warning them of false teachers. And he would uh, tell them, that they go on the way of Balaam. They love the wages of unrighteousness. We don't have time to turn there, but look it up. It's a very uh, valuable portion of scripture. And what, what is it that we see in Christendom today when you turn on, for example, the God channel, and you see these preachers speaking, and you look at it, and you're like, that's not the New Testament church. That's not the, what God is saying. Now, I'm not condemning all that ministry. There's some brothers that are, are fully faithful, I have a close friend of mine. He sent me a, uh, a video on, uh, by uh, phone. You could do that with these fancy phones nowadays. You could click on, click on the link that they send you and you see a video on YouTube. Uh, and YouTube is like a program where they show you video clips that people post. 
And he said it to be funny, but it was a, a sad, sad uh, a video that I saw. It was an individual called Cree Flo Dollar. He's a, a, a minister. His name is Cree Flo, S-R-E-O, Flo, and then his last name is Dollar. I don't know if he changed it according to what his heart really is after. And just, I mean... If you have a computer and you, you want to be appalled, just type in Creeflow Dollar and you could search for, he, do, he does a money dance where he would, he would tell people to bring, bring me your blessings and people would run to the stage and throw hands full of money and then he would stomp on the money and say, anointed, anointed, and he would dance, he would say that he's anointing the money, he would tell ladies, that bill's paid, that bill's paid. And he would go on and say to different sermons, and he, he would flat out say the, the problem is you're not giving enough money. Granted that this individual owns three houses. They're all multi-million dollars, owns his own jet, owns two Rolls Royces. That's the way of Balaam. That's the way of Balaam. He's, he's, he's looking out for the wage of unrighteousness. That's not the gospel that, that Paul preached. That's not the gospel that's in our New Testament Bibles. That's... That's blasphemous. That's it's 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 um, humbling to to know that these individuals they will all stand before the Lord one day and have to give account. So Balaam, in a sense, he's saying he has to reject the money. I can't do this, right? But then Balaam said unto the servants. Now look look kind of the change in tone. Balaam said unto the servants of Balak in verse eighteen. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, in verse 19, I pray, tarry here this night that I may know the will of the Lord. He knows the will of the Lord. The Lord already revealed what, he will, what his will is. But again, he's saying, oh, maybe the, the Lord would change. Now, here's, a, here's a, a statement that kind of summarizes the person of Balaam. Balaam could not get God to be unfaithful to his people. But we're going to find out probably tonight because... Time's already up. That, but he got found a way to get the people to be unfaithful to God, and we we could uh, just quickly summarize that tonight in, in chapters twenty-five and in chapter thirty-one. He knows the will of God. He knows that these people are blessed; that they cannot be cursed. And God again would come to Balaam and I says, "If the men call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word of the Lord shall shall shall, uh, which I shall say unto thee, shall thou do." And he says, when, if they call you, go with them. And then whatever I put in your mouth, that's what you're going to say. Balaam is powerless. He has to go before. And note that he rose up in the morning, saddled his ass, and went with the princes of Moab. He really wasn't called. Uh, so in a sense, he's, he's already, God is allowing his permissive will. Remember what happened to the permissive will of the children of Israel. Well, would that we would have died in the wilderness. So here Balaam goes with these people. And everybody is pretty um, familiar with the account of the, the donkey. Again, we're, we're just trying to rush through this chapter. I hate to do it. Um, so at the road, there's an angel, the angel of the Lord. Some believe it to be the, the appearance, of, uh, the, the pre-incarnate appearance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, standing with a sword ready to smite him 
and, and the donkey would, would save his life. And, and I always think of Phil Geikema when he would tell this story that, that, that the donkey would turn one way, turn the other way. The, the angel of the Lord was coming close to that. He was cornering, so he bangs his, his, his foot against a wall and, and Balaam would go berserk, start hitting him, and then the, he would get boxing into a narrow, uh, narrow path, which the scripture would say, where the donkey can't do anything but just sit and sit on Balaam and Balaam would go berserk and God would allow this animal this dumb animal to open his mouth and speak why are you smiting me? he gives the donkey more sense than Balaam could you imagine this, this prophet that I mean the prophecies that he's going to give if, in the Lord, will of the Lord if we could get to them they're amazing but yet this prophet would lose an argument to a donkey and, and the donkey in a sense would speak sense to him and he would, the donkey would read. Imagine this: the donkey reasons with him. He's, "Have I not been your donkey all these years? Have I not taken you everywhere? Have I not been obedient? Why do you think I'm doing this?" And the Lord will open his eyes, and he would see the angel. But what's even more astounding that before his eyes were opened, that he would speak to the donkey. Could you imagine if an animal's talking to you, and he just starts arguing back with the donkey to a point where he's so angry, he says, "I wish I had a sword, for I would smite you." Uh, when the, the angel appears and, he, and speaks to him, in verse 35, says, The angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men. I'm sorry, a few verses before, the, the angel of the Lord basically would explain to him, Your, your donkey saved your life. I would have smote him, you, and not him. But then the angel of the Lord would again tell him, Okay, you're going this path. Go with the people. Whatever the Lord tells you, that is what you shall say. Now, in the will of the Lord, we're going to get to some of these parables or prophecies that Balaam has to say concerning the people of God. And God uses them. This is amazing to me, that God would use a false prophet as Balaam. We don't have time to consider the the rest of the chapter, but I would leave you with this. That God, and this is just from Scripture... He would use sparrows to feed Elijah, right? He would send sparrows to feed Elijah. God uses a donkey to speak to Balaam. God uses Caiaphas. Do you remember that? After Lazarus rose from the dead, Caiaphas would prophesy without knowing about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ dying. In, in John chapter 11, verse 51 to 52, Caiaphas. The Lord will use Caiaphas, a wicked, wicked priest. God uses Cyrus. You remember after the, the children of Israel captive, read the first verses of, of uh, Ezra. And it says, the, the Cyrus, that, that the God Almighty, the one that gave me all these kingdoms, and Cyrus would go on to speak. The Lord has power to do those things. And, and the last one that I want to point you out with, Christ states, remember when he was count, coming and people were shouting, Hosanna! Here comes the son of David, Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna. And the Pharisees would be are, are, are appalled and say, you allow them to say this blaspheme. What was the crisis response to them? Does anybody remember? Yes. If, the, if they would not, the stones would cry out. The stones would cry out. The Lord could use anything from an animal to a dead person to a false prophet. But... Just because the Lord uses them doesn't mean He agrees with them. I've heard many people say, oh, such and such political person, 
he has such good morals. People have come to know the Lord through him. Or there, there's a, a song that's not Christian. Um, uh, the lyrics might not be Christian, but so-and-so got saved through these lyrics. That's fine. The Lord could use these dead things, these wild things, these uh, things that are not Christian, that they don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. But God does not agree with them. Uh, in the will of the Lord, we're going to look at the prophecies of Balaam tonight. I would encourage each and every one of you to come out. And I appreciate your grace concerning the clock. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord and our Father, we're so thankful for these Old Testament examples that you have given us. Lord, we pray as a congregation, as a whole, that we would not fall faint, that we would not uh, fall short of your promises, that we would look to, to fully understand the love of God, how, how you're so faithful to us, how your promises are, are, are towards us, that we would not be as that first generation that would come out to be redeemed, but yet would, would not fully trust in the Lord to possess the land. Let us uh, fully possess the land in our Christian lives, Father. We ask for your guidance tonight as we continue to look at this character of Balaam. We pray for everybody's uh, passage home safely, Lord. We're thankful for your grace, your love, and your mercy. In his name we do pray. Amen.